Hello everyone and welcome back to the third ever episode of the whole 115 yards women's football podcast. My name is Freya and here with me today again is my good friend Lindsay. How are you doing Lindsay? I'm good thanks how are you? Yeah good thank you. Now we it feels like there is so much to talk about but it's literally been a couple of days um, because so much is happening. Now this episode is dedicated to review of the England China match and we're going to be looking at the round of 16 shocks, looking back at our predictions. <laughs> did we get them right? Or did we get them incredibly wrong? Um, and also, we're going to try and look ahead and make some predictions on who's going to go through to the next stages. So, ready for a good discussion? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> good, right. Okay, so let's begin then with the match. So the last time we got together, we talked about... It was England-Denmark game, wasn't it? And I'm going to yeah. take that one because I predicted 1-0. Because I said, we're just not getting the goals. But I think one. I think we could do one. Um, which we did. We got it. And looking at the points compared to all the other groups, it looked like we, we were winning quite comfortably. Um, but as fans, we knew it was, oh, it was a bit touch and go at times, wasn't it? So looking forward to China before we talk about the actual game, how were you feeling leading up into that match? It's a game that on paper we could win four or five now, but with our form and not clicking, I was a little bit concerned it would be a small margin. Um, I was, without going too far ahead into the podcast, I was um, happily proven wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a little bit <laughs> nervous because China are. Uh, they're quite a tough team. I mean, we've seen upsets all the way through um, the World Cup. So actually, they could have done one to us, especially with our weak defence and them being so physical, they could have easily taken it to us. So yeah, I was quite nervous. Yeah, it was that sense of unease, wasn't it? And we were saying, you know, with the squad we've got, we just weren't sure at all who was going to come in, who was going to start, who was going to be subs. Was Serena finally going to try something different? Was she going to mix it up? So when it got around the hour mark before kickoff and that starting 11 came out, I think everyone started to do the same thing, didn't they? They read the team sheet and were like, right, okay. So we've got Alex Greenwood, Millie Bright, um, Lauren James is there, but so is Rachel Daly and Lauren Hemp and Jess Carter and Alessia Russo. It just seemed like every one that normally would be subbed off for one another seemed to be on the pitch at the same time um, because we tried to predict the formation, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And we kind of guessed, okay, well, if, and hopefully, Rach and Alessia are on at the same time, maybe they can finally go forward um, and play together up front. Um, but that wasn't the case, was it? So we actually played in, and let's get this right, um, we played in a 3-4-1-2 formation. When it came up on the screen, Lindsay, with that, how did you feel about that formation and that change? It was something that I've said, or we've said in private conversations, before you, you even consider Kira Walsh's injury, we need to be doing something different up front. We're too predictable. Uh, we've lost Frank Kirby. We've lost Beth Mead. Like, the players that we've got, they aren't copycats of what we've got which is great but at the same time they bring something different and we're not playing to their strengths you know how can Alessia score if she's not getting the service and the ball's going way over her head and I mean she's a tall girl she's not short you know it's not like <laughs> you know like Fran Kirby's quite tiny and Alessia's quite tall and you know you expect it for Fran but you wouldn't expect it for Alessia so the service has got to be right and when you've got Rach playing there who's so prolific and she's not getting the service it's like having to drop deep to get the balls, which then puts everybody else out of position. And then if you've got people on the wings that aren't willing to rotate and push into the gap that Alessia and Rachel have left, then when the ball does go up, there's nobody there and it's a big problem. So having this formation, um, I think was quite a good one. We were quite strong at the back and uh, China, it, with, with that attack and that midfield, we could you know, not have Rachel in the back, which arguably makes us the strongest defence formation with Rach at the back. Obviously, we don't want to see it there, but that is the strongest um, defence for us. So 
it was, it was great to have that and have Jess Carter back in the squad um, with her pace for any counter attacks because she's fantastic at that. Um, but yeah, having this this formation, we thought it would work and it worked brilliantly. And then for the subs to come on with Chloe Kelly and and her just literally tear the place down. That goal was a poaching goal and she deserved it. Um, good not to see Beth England on the sheet, but she made a couple of chances for other people, which just shows the attitude in the team and the squad. They're not selfish players. They're, you know, we ultimately probably won't get the golden boot in our team. Um, well, we might do if Lauren James keeps scoring those bangers. But, um, yeah, they're all about creating for each other. And that is a really good uh, camp attitude to have. So it's quite quite difficult um but i was quite pleased with that formation and i know that i said we needed to play four two four and that kind of was what we did but didn't because people were moving about like lucy bronze was coming into midfield and back in defense and um we won't talk about the refereeing um and, uh, <laughs> and yes yeah, so it, was, it was a great really great dynamic i think i think it was really positive and it was great to see serena do something different and everybody be like oh, what, what are you doing who's playing what where to keep them guessing, but it also allowed on the pitch for the players to keep rotating round. So you see LJ on one side, then the other. Same with Rach, she'll be on one side, then she'll be at the back, and then she'll be making the cross, and then she'll be in deep, then she'll be up front. And it's just great to see that fluidity and creativity because that is what's going to create goals. And at the end of the day, we can't get to the World Cup final winning 1-0 against what on paper are smaller teams. You know, we come up against the Netherlands, we come up against America. I know America are having a bit of a bad form, but France, you know, they won 6-3. And, you know, we've got to really kick on and be scoring those goals because if not, then we're just going to be defending and we don't want to be a defending team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, 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 it's fine. Um, right. I just love how passionate you are about it uh, because, yeah, every time I was trying to comment on it, I was like, yep, yeah. and you said that, yep, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah, I was going to say, like, again, looking at the formation, I've just got it up in front of me. Like, Rach being, um, she was essentially, like, attacking midfield, wasn't she? Like, out on that wing. Um, so the fact that she she could drop in, she could fall back, like, the team looked, and we've said it in camp, they look so happy, they look so comfortable, and they just look like they'll do anything for the team and they've definitely got that team spirit and the fact that with this formation they had so much like you said creativity but the freedom to move as well um so there were yeah a couple of issues in defense maybe getting out of shape a little bit but i think that's well it is the strongest we've been in a very long time and i think knowing that they had that support there at every part of the pitch it just it just clicked and it was brilliant and i think unless you're getting that goal in the fourth minute i mean that's just got to set you up for the rest of the match hasn't it that confidence definitely and the thing with that um fluid fluidity um is that lauren james can play in a way that she's good rather than being um cramped or suffocated or um yes or square square peg in a round hole kind of thing it, it, she can play with freedom and flair and the space that was created, um, the amount of times that I saw people going down the sides and putting balls in, and you know, Alessia make a run, but Alessia will take players out of the situation, and then there'll be LJ at the back for that that volley that she scored, that was brilliant, um, and and it's it's just stuff, but it allows for other players to get in. Um, we've seen it at the Euros with Chloe Kelly um, and Lauren Hemp getting in, and it, if we don't have selfish number nines, then it allows that, and it, it's great because. Both Rach and Leslie play really well when they play deep and when they play up front. Um, and the same with Beth England, you know, all three of them work hard and they go looking for the ball and looking to create. And sometimes, you know, like Rachel's balls, so like Kira Walsh is good, but have you seen Rachel Daly put a ball in? Like it's it's really good. Yeah. So she's creating and because they have the um football intelligence now they seem to have clicked and spent so much time together that they know who's going to be making runs and where and they can put the ball in the right places and lj struggles a bit because she's new um and she's not got the time playing with the team but all the others like chloe hempo leslie tooney they can all put those balls in the right places and that, that makes a big big difference 
again, going back to positioning, like Lucy could come forward and she, cause we know she loves an attack, doesn't she? She loves to get up front and get, get a name on the score sheet as well. And there were so many opportunities that either Lucy created or again, crossed into the box. Um, and she was so unlucky not to get that her goal. Um, it just went wide, didn't it? And again, just looking yeah. at everything I've written down from the match, it's just so positive, like brilliant shot from Lauren Hemp. Um, then I've got wonder goal, Lauren James, but they left her completely unmarked China at the edge of the box. Like why, why would you do that? That's the benefit of, of Leslie making those runs because she's taking the players out and they think, oh, we've got a marker and they forget. And this is the benefit of having really good quality strikers because people, it's not only, it's the Sam Kerr effect, Sam Kerr now, she'll go in and she'll strike. But as we saw um, in one of the early games, we mentioned it in the pub before, allowing for Mary Fowler to run in. Mm. But taking the play, then making runs, they can take two, three players out because they're so panic panicky about, oh, we can't let them have time. And people that are unknown or less popular in the press, like LJ, can just run in and, and, and make that score. And that's what, that is what Chloe Kelly did at the Euros. Um, and she's continuing to do now. And and Hempo doing a little bit as well. So it's good that they're doing that. And it, I've noticed it a lot with um, the, the on paper, smaller teams, um, not to give them a disservice against the bigger teams, because they're, they're like, oh, we'll put two, three players on this one individual to mark them out of the game. So they're not a threat. But actually, by doing that, they're leaving so much space at the side and it allows them to run. And if you give them space, you can't give players at this level time and respect, because if you do that, you're punished especially when you've got people running at you like lauren james you can't back off and if you close lauren james down and you stop those angles from happening then arguably she's quite easy to dispossess so um you know yes she gets past people and she glides past people but i've also seen her in other games where she just can't get anywhere she gets the ball and she loses it straight away um and that's part of the game that she needs to work on knowing when to release and when to go uh, which will come with time and practice so that's not a disrespect to her you know she's doing really well we've seen it in the men's game with jack Grealish when he he's learned when to release and when not to because he was at villa he was holding on for it too too long he goes to man city plays at the higher level champions league starts running out players gets it taken off him straight away he's on his floor on the floor on his bum so uh, it, it does make a, a a difference and it will come with time and we've seen it the same with Hempo to be fair we've seen Hempo do it and 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 they've just grown into the role so it's something for Emma Hayes to work with her on with her game uh intelligence but you know she's only a young player so you've got to give her credit oh definitely I mean the fact that she looks so comfortable and so calm and casual about it, which is her persona anyway, isn't it? But the fact that yeah, she's, yeah. you know, stepping onto the world stage in the starting eleven, and she's like, yeah, all right, I'll just bang some goals in. Yeah, do this for fun. Because everyone was saying, you know, her goals, they're just coming straight off the training pitch, aren't they? Um, and it was really nice that Emma Hayes was commentating on it because, you know, as her player, to see her excel at that stage, that must be such a proud moment for her. And I know she, some people say she's biased and, yeah, she kind of is sometimes, but I really like that she went, you know, no comment, you know, I'll, you know, I could bigger up and everything, but everyone else is kind of doing that job. So I'll, I'll take a step back and let everyone else have that, have that moment for her. Um, when she said about, oh, whoever's got her as a player, I hope they signed on a long term yeah. <laughs> contract. And she's like, yeah, it's you, isn't it, Emma? So it was, it was great to see, but I think it's good that these players are getting the credit that they deserve. Yeah. They've had some of them had really rough years with personal problems or um, health Injury, issues yeah. or injuries. They've, they, you know, they've come back and I mean, some of them have even gone and lived abroad and it's been a, a transitional mm. year for them. So and they've increased their game and they've improved their game. And it's just great to see them all thriving at the big stage. Yeah. And now I'm at a position where I'm thinking, you know, at the start of it, I was like, oh, watching those warm-up games, I was thinking, you know, are we going to just flop? Are we not going to get make it but we've got out of the group and actually which we'll touch on later i think we could go quite far if if we continue mm. to click and go quite far yeah, we'll talk about that momentarily um yeah and just a couple of final things on the game um 
China were, so I watched some of the last couple of games and they were quite scrappy, quite, couldn't really keep the ball. Um, but then they, they've managed to get through um, uh, every, every point to either win or draw. Um, and the fact that China had to work so hard just to even get a look at the ball, um, I thought was phenomenal from us. Um, but also Mary Earps, when they did get the ball, she had to make some cracking saves, didn't she? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, she, she the traffic. She proved why she is. She proved why she, sorry, I don't mean to speak over here. Um, she's proved why um, she is the number one in the, the world, arguably. Yeah. Um, and she had to be alert because if she wasn't, ultimately could have been, it could have been 6-3, 6-4. Um, but she, she made some fantastic saves. It shows that it's a good sign of a, a goalkeeper who, when you've got dominating, your dominating possession, and as a goalkeeper, you can switch off. And you, but the fact that she kept concentrated in, in the game just is a testament to how hard she works <laughs> and her ethic because she's kept us in the game. And I think, well, she's kept us. I know we've had good players through this tournament, but she's one of the standout players of the tournament for England because she's kept us in it so many times. And it's all right to go, oh, you know, so and so scored a, a good goal, or so and so did this, but she's the one that's kept us in by the skin of our teeth and she did it the euro she did it this and i'm so glad she's our number one like we've said before it's the keepers need more praise like they really do there's been some cracking saves and again in my notes mary Earp's cracking save at the 85th minute after england failed to clear the ball always alert our number one <laughs> uh, direct quote from my notes there um and i've also got um just to quickly mention it was really nice to see katie's alum start because she plays in that role every week for Man United. Like she knows that role inside out. And yes, we can't compare her to Kira Walsh because can't compare anyone to Kira Walsh, but she she did a brilliant job. I'm really proud that she got those minutes. Um, she really deserves them. Um, and for Laura Coombs to come on as well, um, she almost got the seventh goal, didn't she? She did that really clever turn in the box and it just, it just missed. Um, but again, for her, for debuting in a world tournament, at 32 i mean that's you know all of these players have had such different routes to the first team and the role shown why and i think we've always talked about teams growing to tournaments and yeah the first couple are a bit rocky but you can't lose anything at this point um you've got to put everything on the pitch and you've got to try every minute and yes we just scraped through the first couple but like we said, if that performance holds and this is our team, this is our lionesses, because um, I think we all said, didn't we? Like, we've arrived. We're here. <laughs> We're good. This is us. Um, and it was that magic from the Euros again, wasn't it? And there was that hope and that, okay, we we might be able to do this. Um, you knew when Lassie scored, you were like, hang on a minute, our luck has, has turned because Lassie's got her first goal. Yeah. And you just know once the players got their first goal, it's coming. And then LJ did the wonder strike and you're like, right, this is going our way now. And even though the refing decisions didn't go in our favour, and some of them were quite questionable, which has been a problem across the whole tournament with some of the refereeing mm. and some of the VAR decisions. Um, it's great to see. Um, it's just, just great to see, really. I'm, I'm just so, so happy to see them all playing and playing so well. And it's all has come together it literally it really has yeah and it's like again like the euros everything seemed to be going right and everything seemed to be leading up to the moment and i feel that again now and yeah. just before we do move on to the next thing i just want to talk about lucy bronze's yellow card um we're not i mean as we said they were questionable that offside that no one could explain <laughs> was one of them um but I don't think that should have been a yellow card. I mean, we were talking about it at the time, weren't we, um, privately? And we just said that it wasn't an intentional handball. In fact, if you look, Mary, Mary Earps actually pushed her. <laughs> so her arms did come forward as she's trying to brace herself. But it's where was she meant to put her arm? Like, where, where was that meant to go? It's like the change in the rules, isn't it? Where at one point it was like if it touches your arm at any point beneath the sleeve, it's a handball and it doesn't mm. matter. And then I thought it was use your discretion and use your brain cells and your common yeah, sense. It. But the referee's just like she got pushed, so she will 
forward and if you're trunted forward you automatically put your hands forward but her arms are still by her side like there's a little bend at the side but her arms are still by her mm. side so to me it wasn't a penalty and to me that offside wasn't an offside because it touched the defender before it was played by the defender before uh lucy touched it yeah, however as a player wasn't it I couldn't see on the replay on the TV and the um, uh, whatever app it was watching, uh, which we don't endorse at all. Um, and um, I couldn't tell if it hit the player and or the, the player played it, which I know that's a, a technicality, yeah. but it seemed to be really anal because it was such a good goal. And it was like, is it really going to make a difference when it's six, you know, when you get gay men 6 1? Does it really matter? You know that the you know a technicality it's not game changing and at that point in the game it wasn't going to change the way the game was going so i wouldn't have said it was a yellow card and a penalty um the yellow card comes with a penalty because it's a handball but i wouldn't have said it was a yellow card i would have given like stern more where can't say my words today stern um words of wisdom and then um I'm not sure what I would have done. Um, well, it's, again, it's one of those things, isn't it, where VAR can either be very clear cut or that's when you get your ref involved and you're like, right, okay, this is open to interpretation. What do you think? And then we've got to trust that the refs are of, have really good common sense, really high quality refs to be able to make the correct decision. And yeah, you're right. When, when they were trying to interpret that offside rule, I mean, Emma Hayes was completely clueless, wasn't she, as well? So that made us feel a bit better. That if Emma Hayes doesn't know what's going on, um, how can we? So, yeah, it was the fact that did the defender mean to play it? Did it just come off them? But Lucy wasn't actually involved. So, why did, yeah. Um, it was involved after it came off the player. Yeah. And that's when she got involved in playing. That's where they said it was the offside because she was interfering with mm. play. However, if it's come off the defender and then she gets involved, then technically she can play on. So I'm not sure what the current legislation is on that. I'm very open for people to message us and tell us if Emma Hayes and some of the other people are saying we don't understand. I mean, you've even got people from other teams going, what mm. is that refing? And my question is um, to FIFA, it's great having these women's refs from all over the world, but is the quality consistently at the same level? If they've got the qualifications, are they at the same level? Because we've seen it. If you get yeah, what we need. if you get a ref that does Champions League, men's Champions League football, and you get a, a men's ref who does the championship, and you put them on the same stage mm. to do a World Cup, are their decisions going to be the same? Because they're used to different things. And you know, it's not a disrespect to the refs. I have a lot of respect for refs. One of my close friends um, trains uh, referees for um, our local regional area. Well, I but, have to ask them. But um, yeah, he, he 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 didn't know either. Um, <laughs> I I um, you know I have a lot of respect for refs, so it's not a discrediting any of them. But I do question the standard and the consistency and the VAR. It's almost like VAR is here, so we've got to use it for absolutely everything. When mm. actually the idea is it lets the game flow and it's not letting the game flow. Um, you know, okay with yeah, adding the extra time onto the games, fair enough, stops time wasting. We know that's prevalent in a lot of games. Um, yeah. I, I do think the standard of reference this tournament has been very hit and miss and some of the decisions haven't been consistent in one game it's a free kick and the next game it's a red card and yeah and it just it doesn't add up and just as a very small point um so we have um across our social media we have our tiktok channel which <coughs> Lindsay said was awful last week, but it's not. It's good. It's wonderful. Um, mainly because it's me, so I would say that. Um, but on there, I clipped up Lucy Bronze's reaction to not only her yellow card, but because of that team management having to then be subbed off, obviously, to keep her safe. We don't want her missing any games. So as Lucy came off, she kept her composure on the pitch, very professional. But as she's come off, um, the 
<laughs> the cameraman has caught her going over and kicking the chair and having a right sulk. Now I clipped that up, put it on TikTok, and normally <laughs> we get about one and a half to two thousand views on a video, which for us is quite good. Probably to TikTok people, um, that'll be awful. Um, but we're quite proud of it. Um, this one, I don't know if you've checked it recently. No, I haven't been on TikTok. Right. Would you like to guess how many views we now have? Because when I texted you last night, it was 5,900. Um, I'll go 10. you go 10? Okay. The total as of right now is 19,400 views. Yay! Um, Thank you. So Lucy Bronze is an absolute cheat code for TikTok. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, so if you haven't followed us already on social media, please do. We are the whole 115 yards across all platforms. Um, now, as England won 6-1, I think we're still going to be buzzing about that for a very long time. We now need to look ahead to the round of 16. Now, we made our group predictions, didn't we? Yeah. Feels like a very long time ago. Right, okay. We predicted Group A, Norway and Switzerland. Group B, Australia and Canada. Group C, Spain and Japan. Group D, England and Denmark. Group E, USA and the Netherlands. Group F, France and Brazil. Group G, Sweden and Italy. And Group H, Germany and Korea Republic. Some we got spot on. It started well. <laughs> it started well and it kind of petered out, didn't it? So, yeah. Norway and Switzerland, fine. Australia and Canada, no. Okay, we had a shock there. Canada Olympic champions are out. Spain and Japan, through, no problems. England and Denmark, fine. USA, Netherlands, fine. Brazil, shock exit. Um, Italy, shock exit. And Germany and Korea. Well, Korea, once we saw them play, not much of a shock exit. But Germany, I mean, why Why do you think there's been so many upsets? Have we underestimated a lot of these countries, do you think? I think whatever was written in that Euros note that Tooney read and Alessia, they've got the cheat code and we've got their luck because they're having about as much luck as England. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with them because they started really well, didn't they? I'm just looking at my notes and they won 6-0 against Morocco and then it all sort of went downhill and they had a, yeah. a rough... Um, prelim warm-up round as well and they just there's something going on there i don't know what it is whether they're just unhappy or they're not clicking or because they haven't had much in the way of personnel change either so no they've had a couple of injuries but not like bad ones it seemed like people were kind of getting a bit injured then coming back and then so maybe that disruption kind of that in and out because yeah, i watched the game today and um they just didn't seem to want it. I, I don't know if it's an, an attitude. And they just didn't seem hungry. I know they always talk about them being a brick wall team. They're always there. They're always dependable. And they just didn't want it. The only person on that pitch that wanted it was Alex Park. And I yeah. just looked at it and it, I was just annoyed and frustrated because there's so many good players and they've got, you know, firepower sat on the bench that they're not playing so i'm wondering if there's been a like not a mutiny in camp but like a, a dispute or injuries that they're not letting on um but i don't understand why they they they've not played to their best abilities um i'm really frustrated for them well not for all of them because obviously some of them just didn't turn up and were there for the holiday but i feel frustrated for alex pop because I, I really rate her and she works hard and she's a great captain and I just think there's something going on there when she's the only player that's turning up and you could argue that about England at times where there's only one player turns up but um, and that's Alex Greenwood um, but when you look at, at, at Germany I just I don't know where it went wrong I just think that they're obviously just not with it it's such a shame because I wanted to see them. I wanted an England Germany rematch, but obviously not going to happen now. I know. I so I was at work and I was listening to it. Um, the audio I managed to wangle away to do it. Um, not illegally, I have to say. I just and I think it was Farah. Um, who was on at half time and she said they look rattled, like they as if they hadn't recovered from the Columbia game, and I could see it. It was if. 
because Germany always come out and they're always like, right, we're Germany. Like, we're going to win. We're going to absolutely destroy you. You know, we're here to, we're here to take it all. And that Germany didn't show up. And it was like we said before the tournament started, which Germany are going to show up? And I think we had a glimpse of the real Germany of with the 6 0. And then it kind of crumbled again. And it's kind of, well, which one's the facade? Which one's the real one? And like you said, Alex Pop, again from the commentary, it was all her. And it was her giving everything on the pitch. And, you know, the poor thing got player of the match. And she just looked so sad because obviously she'd given everything clearly to get player of the match, but then they got sent home. Like, and I, th- I think I'm, I'm wondering if, and I'm going to sound a little bit like Emma Hayes here, and I don't mean to. <laughs> no, but please do. I'm just wondering if fixture congestion. They've just played that many games. They're exhausted, and although they're there in body. They're mentally not there, so they're mentally switched off because they're exhausted and they're fatigued. And mm-hmm. that fatigue, um, I think we, when we look at elite players, we're like, oh yeah, you know, they're on the beach having a holiday. But sometimes mentally, they're just not in the right place because they've played that many games. They've played Champions League. They've uh, played played other other games. They've played cup mm-hmm. games. Or they've played hundred percent of the minutes for their team that that year because they're such a good player because obviously that that level they're really good and I'm just wondering if they're just mentally fatigued either something's gone on in camp or they're mentally or physically fatigued I mean no Alex Pop has got an engine on her she'll just go and go and go she's mm. like the bronze of the Germany team you know no stopping her even injured she'll play um but I'm I am starting to wonder with a lot of these big upsets when we look at some of the other teams that have gone out that we that are quite big and we wouldn't expect it is it too much fixture congestion and they are just their bodies are just saying no we've had enough and we have to remember women's bodies aren't built like men you know yeah. we have we have periods which a lot of the girls have problems with their periods heavy periods so that'll be draining them as well and a lot of them have got other health conditions um not that the men don't but there seems to be more, I'm not sure if it's just more coverage or more prevalence that some of the women have got more health problems, like some of them have had chemotherapy, some of them have got thyroid problems, some of them have got endometriosis, and it, it does take a toll on the players, and I'm just wondering if that's why some of these teams, this World Cup, haven't performed, because we, if we look at England, we had... Um, a whole season before the Euros, then we had the Euros, then they had a week off, then they were back in, some of them were playing Champions League football, then we had the Arnold Clark Cup, then we had something else, then we had the Finalissima, then we had the game with America, then we went back to... Conti Cup. Yeah, and and it's just everything constantly, it just seems like the girls haven't had a a break. And I'm just wondering if that fatigue is why some of the the big players are underperforming, Um, like America, uh, the American players, the American league is a bit different because they're set up differently. But the mm. ones that are playing in Europe, I'm just wondering if that's why they're not performing. And I, I, I don't know, but it might be that some of them just need a really good holiday um, and, and a break and a rest and just to light train and let their bodies recover. Um, I don't want to rant and I don't want to sound like Emma Hayes and the others that have said there's too much fixture congestion. Mm. I, I think, it, you know, the 26 man squad would have been better um and would have given a rotation so i'm just wondering if things need to be looked at um because they moaned about the men's uh world cup at christmas and fixture congestion for the men and injuries and you know it's taken seriously whereas with the girls it just seems oh it's a big industry and it's taken off and let's make money out of it so i'm not sure where to sit on the fence with that but it was just a thought that i just thought well maybe that's why germany aren't performing and some of the other teams aren't performing because they're just so exhausted it's not maybe yeah because a lot of them play for Wolfsburg don't they they play in the big big German teams and I think with obviously Covid not to harp on about that but because everything's shut down for so long it's it is playing catch-up it's so obviously yeah Euros last year World Cup this year it's like we just need a summer for them to just check out and just be like, right, nope. Like, Go to my have a great time, party away, uh, to just take a break. And, and maybe that'll even help with the injuries that are, 
they're coming up because a lot of them are overuse injuries. Yeah, and again, it comes down to squad rotation, like you said, like give them some minutes, don't expect them to play every 90, but as we're seeing at the World Cup, it's going on for 110, 115 minutes. Like it's it's a lot. Like I went to a boxing class at the gym before this podcast. We ran for like five minutes and I was dead. Um, so the fact that they're doing it for 115, like we can't underestimate that level of fitness that it takes to be an elite athlete. And they they just need They do time. say, um, and I'm going off um, some report I saw about the men's game. So obviously it won't be perfect correlation, but in the men's game, they're saying that in a 90 minute game, they play for 55 to 65 of the 90 minutes and the rest of it is taken in stoppages, whether it's free kicks, throw-ins, goals, uh, decisions. Mm. VAR will impact on that too. So, yeah, but it's the concentration, isn't it? Because even if you're you're down to playing 90 minutes and you end up playing 115, it's the concentration level. And I know from when I used to play, when I used to play 90 minutes, I was knackered that last 15 because I was in midfield and I was running up and down. Um, <laughs> but um, when we play the extra time, like you could tell who got level of fitness because the only people that were playing in that last that that well 120 minutes um that 30 minutes extra you know by 110 minutes you could see he was going to make it to the end um because a lot of people were just walking and knackered and obviously i wasn't playing necessarily a, a really high level at that, by that point but um i do think it is obvious and evident that it takes a lot of concentration and then you kind of get like oh you know just hurry up and blow the whistle ref and, and we can go home and i think that that will be difficult, especially like for the goalkeepers that have got to pay attention because there's so many goals happening at the end of the games as well, um, in the close mm. games, and it's all concentration. It only takes one defender to switch off and it's all gone. So I think it's going to be tough, and I think it is tougher than playing you know, all these minutes. And it's great that Serena, unlike the Euros, is actually rotating the squad, and it's almost like she's been forced to through injury, but that's actually making us a better squad. Um, and it's great to see yeah. players getting minutes and getting debuts. Katie Selim, Laura Coons, Beth England getting on on the pitch and, and getting minutes in that they wouldn't normally or you wouldn't expect them to get. So I'm just hoping other teams can do that too. Like we had in the Ireland game, didn't we? Katie McCabe was asking um, the, the bench to put fresh legs on at 75 minutes. Was it 60? I can't remember. Um, and, they were, yeah, and they were saying no, 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 we'll carry on. And it's like, you know, one player can't carry a team and you do need fresh legs and you do need the rotation. So hopefully they, they will do that. But is... but as Vera said, Katie's not the manager. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole different podcast. We won't go into the Irish girls drama, but we will say on that note, we are very proud of what they've achieved oh, this tournament the resources they've got and the, the the level that the girls are playing at at the moment when you look at that squad you, you'd think they're going to come to this world cup they're going to get hammered because they're not there's not enough of them playing at a high enough mm. level to carry the team to get a point and the girls have come they've got a point they've got a goal um they've got a clean sheet um and, and i don't think as a a, a first world cup you can ask much more for them other than to get out the group and they were in a really tough group so you know it is with but I, I think they should all be really proud of themselves and hopefully they've gone home i think it was yesterday and today they're on flights but they're homecoming haven't they yeah i think it's yeah. tomorrow i think i'm not tomorrow. sure I've, I've lost track of the days but um it is coming up soon and i hope that the irish fans give them the welcome home better than the send-off they gave and the send-off was fantastic so i'm hoping that they'll give a fantastic homecoming but it's the irish isn't it? and they know how to party so and hope the girls get a good rest because that's what they all need but they they played out their skin they put everything on the line they were unlucky not to take more points away yeah um if they were really. in a different group i think they would have got out of it yeah it was just I, a really I'm, hard group yeah so they, they've done fantastic and i'm really 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 proud of them so yeah we'll look forward to the next four years and see yeah uh, see who comes through uh, okay 
final bit of the pod then we're going to make some predictions so what we'll do i've got the um tree diagram of fixtures in front of me so i'll ask you who you think's going to win and see if we agree and then i'll put them all down (laughs) and then we can predict who we think is going to go through so switzerland and spain who do you think spain spain okay um netherlands and south africa i've got to back my netherlands girls because they're my dark horse okay then we've got Japan and Norway. I think it's going to be tight, but I'm going with Japan because they're playing really well at the moment. It's if which Norway team show up, isn't it? If it's the original Norway yeah. team, definitely Japan. Oh, I think I might go for Norway now. I might go Norway. Right, so you're going for Japan. I'm going for Norway. Okay. And then we've got Sweden, USA. We were talking about this before we came on air. What you this is going to depend on what American team turn up and what Sweden team mm. turn up, but I'm going to go with America. I've got to back Sweden. I've got to do it. I know you But on that note, Sweden, <laughs> Lena Hurtig getting minutes. Her fitness is getting better. Yeah, definitely. That's what we need to see. And she's been involved in the goals and she's nearly been there herself. Oh, um, yeah, I'm happy. So Sweden. I really want Sweden to do it, but I think America will. I, think I just, just think Sweden have been on better form. So if they keep that form, I think they're going to smash it. If the USA decide that they want to take part in the World Cup, yeah. <laughs> then if they turn up, yeah. It, again, it's going to be tight. Can't call it. If, if, if America play like their last game, then Sweden will have it. Right. Okay. So out of them then, so who do you think? Spain and Netherlands. Who's going to win out of those two? I've got to back my Netherlands girls. I think they might. Because they're playing so well at the moment. They're informed. They're doing well. Now, we then were split on the next ones. So, okay. So, if we go with yours, Japan versus USA, who thinks? I'm going to say Japan. I'm going I'm right. to go with Japan because America, they, they're, not, they're, they're not here to win it at this point. And Japan are hungry and have been so disciplined. I think they can pull off a bit of an upset. Okay. And if we go with mine on that side, Norway versus Sweden. Go for Sweden. Okay. Um, so then if we get to it out of Netherlands, so if it's Netherlands, Japan. Yeah. Netherlands. Oh, okay. And if it's Netherlands, Sweden, who do you think? Oh, that's tough. Ah. That's a tougher one. I think Probably, I'll go with the Netherlands. I might as well go for a clean sweep, hadn't I? I think they might just edge it. Okay, so the left side of the table, we've got Netherlands again through to the final. Right, okay. Other side, we've got Australia, Denmark. Australia. Australia, I think so. Right, so Australia. Um, France, Morocco. France. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and out of Australia and France, who's winning? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, we'll do the easier ones first. We'll come back to that. Okay. Um, England, Nigeria. England. We've got to back them. Oh, yeah, we've got to back them. I think it's going to be a tough one, though. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be our toughest game. If we get through to the semi, uh, the the final, I think that's going to be our toughest game Mm. before the final. I do, absolutely. Okay, and then Colombia, Jamaica. Oh, I don't. Mm. This is a tight one, isn't it? Yeah. I'm leaning towards Colombia, but I. I, I they, they were feisty, yeah. weren't they? And they've, they've got, got a lot of forward, and they are on form, whereas Bunny mm. Short hasn't really done much for Jamaica. No, she hasn't really arrived, has she? And she, she's carrying that team, so I, I just I just think there's more strike power chance of a goal from Colombia than there is Jamaica. But because of the go from me and the situation in Jamaica, I'd love to see Jamaica progress through. Mm. So it, it'd be the perfect fairy tale. Versus so, heart, isn't it? Which one do you yeah, want? I'll go Colombia. 
I think I'm gonna have to do it. I think I'm gonna have to go Colombia. Okay, so let's go back to the hard question. Australia, France, who's gonna win? I'm gonna say home advantage for Australia. Australia, okay. So Australia. Um England, Colombia. We'll have to back our England girls, haven't we? Of course we have. Stupid question, really. Okay, England, Australia. The rematch. Oh, the rematch. Can we take them? Well, Sam Kerr, if she's back, if they play her, is always going to be a threat. But they've also got Hayley Rasso, Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley. They've got a very, very strong team, but so do we. They've got an Alana Kennedy that keeps popping up as well. You know what? After Alana Kennedy's been injured for so much of the season, she's done a phenomenal job getting back in that starting lineup and earning her players back. I'm so impressed. Like, Well, Sam Kerr's carrying an injury and they're trying not to, I think for a PR reason, they're not Mm. trying to just write her off because they've been criticised for playing players that are injured Mm. and are unfit or not fit. So for that reason, I'll go with England because we've got a back our girls but I think they'll take us all the way and I think it'll be tough I really do um especially with the Aussie crowd and the 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 rivalry between the Aussies and the English I think it's going to be a very feisty one um yeah really kicking off but I don't think I think Sam Co is going to be super sub or playing 60 minutes until the the end of the world cup i don't think she's gonna play 90 like she normally does i think she's too injured um yeah that's that's a vibe that i'm getting but they're playing her because she's a big superstar and she's the billboard queen and they're playing for that reason rather than actually and that's why when she has played she's been making those runs so she's not making contact with the ball and she's not having that impact on her car so that's the vibe that i'm getting reading between the lines but i might be completely off on a tangent and going into TikTok land, but that, that's the vibe that I'm getting from there, which means Caitlin Ford, can Millie Bright handle Caitlin Ford? Yes, she can. Yeah. Handle uh, Hayley Rasso? Yes, she can. Millie Bright, last game, um, she was rusty to begin with since her injury, and then last game she clicked on, she was making the right decisions, and her and Alex Greenwood are a great pairing, and we've got Jess Carter to make the um, last uh, ditch, tackles so i think i think we will squeeze it but i think it'll be really really tight i'm just thinking kind of austria they've been doing fine without sam kerr to be fair i know she's supposed to go but yeah they've been doing all right um but yeah she's definitely part of their pr of right sam kerr the captain the leader that everything which she is and we're not taking that away from her but she yeah there's no point risking her at all um when when they are doing fine okay so that brings us to a netherlands england final well viv Miedemar and beth mead won't be uh sleeping in the under the same roof then will they <laughs> no definitely not they'll be uh yeah. well they're watching it together the other day weren't they with both their shirts on um but yeah. technically both lionesses so which is quite nice so that, that was good okay so mm-hmm. our hearts are obviously going to say England. Realistically, technically, football statistically, who will win? Netherlands, England. My gut says England, but and I don't think at any point we've gone. Mm, I don't think we can do that. We've still got that belief in that magic that we can. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pretty that up. I'm going to post it. And you'll have to let us know what you think if you're listening to this right now. So we have made our predictions that it's going to be a Netherlands-England final. It will be all square at the final whistle and it will have to go to penalties. And I think what better way to end the World Cup (laughs) than on a penalty shootout to decide it. Um, I just, if we do get to that final, it's going to be phenomenal because to get to that point and to show everyone we can with the amount of injuries with all the setbacks we we've done it um and they should be proud of themselves so 
it was the uh, Jamaican head coach. I absolutely love him. He's phenomenal. You know, he said, you know, enough of this. We need to put funding into our women's football because this is what they can do without it. So imagine if you got behind them 100%. And that's what we need. We need passionate people, players, coaches, um, and more men, dare I say it, um, to be on the women's side and to push women's football and to be like, okay, this needs to be equal. It needs to be so much better for the funding, for everything, because what these women can achieve is incredible. And in Marta's interview, just very quickly, you know, she said, when she was growing up, there wasn't any women's football because, you know, talking to the media because you wouldn't show the matches. I didn't know I could be that. So the fact that she now gets stopped in the street and people go, oh, my daughter loves you. She wants to be just like you. You know, she's fulfilled her goal, her dream. She's been six World Cups, you know, and she's become this icon of even there's that little clip of the um, one of the assistants putting the minutes up and they're standing next to Marta and they can't believe it. You know, she had so much of an impact and that's what these players can do. And it's not just in football, it's in every sport. And the more visible we can make our athletes, the better. And that is exactly what we want to do. Um, spreading the word and the love of the game, as we always say. Now, the round of 16 starts on Saturday, the 5th of August, at early one, Switzerland, Spain kicks off at 6 a.m. and goes right through to France, Morocco on Tuesday, the 8th of August at midday. So we've got, I was gonna say a couple of days off, we've got one day off before the action resumes and we can't wait. So if you haven't already and you've really enjoyed this podcast, give us a subscribe, give us a follow. Again, we're across all social media, come and say hello. Any comments at all, send them our way. Any questions, what would you like to see on the podcast? Anything else that you want us to cover? We will be back again very, very soon. So thank you very much for listening as always. And we'll see you next time.